Chapter 7, Part 1 of How to Write Short Stories with Examples by Ring Lardner. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Madison Rutherford. Chapter 7, Part 1 A Caddy's Diary. Preface. Critics have charged that this story is a direct steal from some of Barry's earlier tales of adventures on the golf course. The author denies this, but admits his indebtedness to Gertrude Atherton for some of the scenes in the barber shop. Curiosity has often been expressed as to the identity of the man from whom the leading character is drawn, and guesses have ranged all the way from Al Jennings to Salvedra Miguel de Cervantes. The author takes this opportunity to announce that the original of the caddy is Wilkie Collins, and the story is based on the latter's actual experiences while he was night order clerk at the Pennsylvania Hotel. Wednesday, April 12th. I am 16 of age and am a caddy at the Pleasant View Golf Club, but only temporary, as I expect to soon land a job somewhere as assistant pro, as my game is good enough now to be a pro, but too young looking. My pal Joe Bean also says I have not got enough swell head to make a good pro but suppose that will come in time. Joe is a wisecracker. But first we'll put down how I come to be writing this diary. We have got a member named Mr. Colby who writes articles in the newspapers, and I hope for his sakes that he is a better writer than he plays golf. But anyway, I catted for him a good many times last year, and today he was out for the first time this year, and I catted for him, and we got talking about this and that, and something was mentioned in regards to the golf article by Alex Lair that comes out every Sunday in the paper Mr. Colby writes his articles for, so I asked Mr. Colby, did he know how much Laird got paid for the articles, and he said he did not know, but supposed that Laird had to split 50-50 with whoever wrote the articles for him. So I said, don't he write the articles himself? And Mr. Colby said, why no, he guessed not. Laird may be a mastermind in regards to golf, he said, but that is no sign he can write about it, as very few men can write decent, let alone a pro. Writing is a nag. How do you learn it, I asked him. Well, he said, read what other people writes and study them and write things yourself, and maybe you will get on to the nag and maybe you won't. Well, Mr. Colby, I said, do you think I could get on to it? Why, he said, smiling, I did not know that was your ambition to be a writer. Not exactly, was my reply, but I am going to be a golf pro myself, and maybe someday I will get good enough so as the papers will want, I should write them articles, and if I can learn to write them myself, why, I will not have to hire another writer and split it with them. Well, said Mr. Colby, smiling, you have certainly got the right temperament for a pro. They are all big-hearted fellows. But listen, Mr. Colby, I said, if I want to learn it would not do me no good to copy down what other writers have wrote. What I would have to do would be write things out of my own head. That is true, said Mr. Colby. Well, I said, what could I write about? Well, said Mr. Colby, why don't you keep a diary, and every night after your supper sit down and write what happened that day, and write who you catted for, and what they done only leave me out of it and you can write down what people say and what you think in ETC, it will be the best kind of practice for you, and once in a while you can bring me your writings, and I will tell you the truth if they are good or rotten. So that is how I come to be writing this diary is, so as I can get some practice writing, and maybe if I keep at it long enough, I can get on to the nag. Friday, April 14th. We've been having April showers for a couple days, and nobody out on the course, so there has been nothing happened that I could write down in my diary. But don't want to leave it go too long, or I will never learn the trick. So we'll try and write a few lines about a caddy's life and some of our members and ETC. Well, I and Joe Bean is the two oldest caddies in the club, and I've been caddying now for five years and quit school three years ago, though my mother did not like it for me to quit. 
but my father said he can read and write in figure so what is the use in keeping him there any longer as greek and latin don't get you no credit at the grocer so they lied about my age to the trance officer and i've been catting every year from march till november and the rest of the winter i work around heisman's store in the village during the time I am catting, I generally always manage to play at least nine holes a day myself on weekdays and sometimes 18 and am never more than two or three over par figures on our course, but it is a cinch. I played the engineer's course one day last summer in 75, which is some golf and some of our members who has been playing 20 years would give their right eye to play as good as myself. I used to play around with our pro Jack Andrews till I got so as I could beat him pretty near every time we played, and now he won't play with me no more. He is not a very good player for a pro, but they claim he is a good teacher. Personally, I think golf teachers is a joke, though I am glad people is suckers enough to fall for it, as I expect to make my living that way. We have got a member, Mr. Dunham, who must have took 500 lessons in the past three years, and when he starts to shoot, he tries to remember all the junk Andrews has learned him, and he gets dizzy and they is no telling where the ball will go, and about the safest place to stand when he is shooting is between he and the hole. I don't believe the club pays Andrews much salary, but of course he makes pretty fair money giving lessons, but his best craft is a three, some which he plays two and three times a week with Mr. Purdue and Mr. Lewis, and he gives Mr. Lewis a stroke a hole, and they generally break somewheres near even. But Mr. Purdue made a 83 one time, so he thinks that is his game, so he insists on playing jack even. Well, they always play for $5 a hole, and Andrews makes $20 to $30 per round, and if he wanted to cut loose and play his best, he could make $50 to $60 per round, but a couple of wallops like that and Mr. Purdue might get cured, so Jack figures a small steady income is safer. I have got a pal named Joe Bean, and we pal around together, and he is about my age, and he says some comical things, and sometimes will whisper something comical to me while we are catting, and it is all I can do to help from laughing out loud. That is one of the first things a caddy has got to learn is never laugh out loud, only when a member makes a joke. However, on the days when these ladies on the course, I don't get a chance to caddy with Joe, because for some reason or another, the woman folks don't like Joe to caddy for them, while on the other hand, they are always after me, though I am no Othello for looks, or do I seek their favors, in fact. It is just the op, and I try to keep in the background when the fair sex appears on the scene, as catting for ladies means you will get just so much money and no more, as there is no chance of them loosening up. As Joe says, the rule against tipping is the only rule the woman folks keeps. There is one lady, however, who I like to caddy for, as she looks like Lillian Gish, and it is a pleasure to just look at her, and I would caddy for her for nothing, though it is hard to keep your eye on the ball when you are catting for this lady. Her name is Mrs. Doan. Saturday, April 15th. This was a long day, and am pretty well wore out, but must not get behind in my riding practice. I and Joe carried all day for Mr. Thomas and Mr. Blake. Mr. Thomas is the vice president of one of the big banks downtown, and he always slips you a dollar extra per round, but believe me, you earn it catting for Mr. Thomas. There is just 16 clubs in his bag, including five wood clubs, though he has not used the wood in three years, but says he has got to have them along in case his irons goes wrong on him. I don't know how bad his irons will have to get before he will think they have went wrong on him, but personally, if I made some of the tee shots he made today, I would certainly consider some kind of a change of weapons. Mr. Thomas is one of the kind of players that when it took him more than six shots to get on the green, he will turn to you and say, how many have I had, caddy? And then you are supposed to pretend like you was thinking a minute, and then say four. Then he will say to the man he is playing with, well, I did not know if I had shot four or five, but the caddy says it is four. You see, in this way, it is not him that is cheating, but the caddy, but he makes it up to the caddy afterwards with a $1 tip. 
mr blake gives mr thomas a stroke a hole and then they play a ten dollar nasa and neither one of them wins much money from the other one but even if they did why ten dollars is chicken's food to men like they but the way they crab and squawk about different things you would think their last one dollar was at stake mr thomas started out this a m with a eight and a seven and of course they spoilt the day for him and me too they's lots of men that if they don't make a good score on the first two holes they will founder all the rest of the way around and raise h with their caddy and if i was laying out a golf course i would make the first two holes so darn easy that you could not help from getting it four or better on them and in that way everybody would start off good-natured and it would be a few holes at least before they'd begun to turn sour mr thomas was beat both in the a m and the p m in spite of my help as mr blake is a pretty fair counter himself and i heard him say he got a eighty eight in the p m which is about a ninety four but anyway it was good enough to win mr blake's regular game is about a ninety taking his own figures and he is one of the cocky guys that takes his own game serious and sneers at men that can't break a hundred and if you was to ask him if he had ever been over a hundred himself he would say why not since the first year he begun to play well i have watched a lot of those guys like he and i will tell you how they keep from getting over a hundred namely by doing just what he done this a m when he come to the thirteenth hole well he missed his tee shot and dubbed along and finally he got in the trap on his fourth shot and i seen him take six wallops in the trap and when he had took the sixth one his ball was worse off than when he started so he picked it up and marked a x down on his scorecard well if he had have played out the hole why the best he could have got was a eleven by holing his next niblick shot but he would have probably got about a twenty which would have made him around a hundred eight as he admitted taking an eighty eight for the other seventeen holes but i bet if you was to ask him what score he had made he would say oh i was terrible and i picked up on one hole but if i had have played them all out i guess i would have had about a ninety two these is the kind of men that laughs themselves hoarse when they hear of some dub taking ten strokes for a hole but if they was made to play out every hole and mark down their real score their card would be decorated with many a big casino well as i say i had a hard day and was pretty sore along towards the finish but still i had to laugh at joe bean on his fifteenth hole which is a par three and you can get there with a fair drive and personally i am generally hole high with mid-iron but mr thomas topped his tee shot and dubbed a couple with his mashie and was still quite a ways off the green and he stood studying the situation a minute and said to mr blake well i wonder what i better take here so joe bean was standing by me and he said under his breath take my advice and quit you old rascal monday april seventeenth yesterday was sun and i was to wore out last night to write as i catted forty-five holes i catted for mr colby in the a m and mr langley in the p m mr thomas thinks golf is wrong on the sabbath though as joe bean says it is wrong any day the way he plays it this a m they was nobody on the course and i played eighteen holes by myself and had a five for a seventy-six on the eighteenth hole but the wind got a hold of my drive and it went out of bounds this p m they was three of us had a game of rummy started but miss rennie and mrs thomas came out to play and asked for me to caddy for them they are both terrible mrs thomas is mr thomas wife and she is big and fat and shakes like gel and she always says she plays golf just to make her skinny and she don't care how rotten she plays as long as she is getting the exercise well maybe so but when we find her ball in the bad lie she ain't never sure it is hers till she picks it up and smells it and when she puts it back believe me she don't cram it down no gopher hole miss rennie is a good looker and young and they say she is engaged to chase crane he is one of our members and is the best player in the club and don't cheat hardly at all and he has got a job in the bank where mr thomas is the vice president well i have catted for miss rennie when she was playing with mr crane and i have catted for her when she was playing alone or with another lady 
and I often think if Mr. Crane could hear her talk when he was not around, he would not be so stuck on her. You would be surprised at some of the words that falls from those fair lips. Well, the two ladies played for two bits a hole, and Miss Rennie was having a terrible time while Mrs. Thomas was shot with luck on the greens and sunk three or four putts that was murder. Well, Miss Rennie used some expressions which was best not repeated, but towards the last the luck changed around it was Miss Rennie that was sinking the long ones, and when they got up to the 18th tee, Mrs. Thomas was only one up. Well, we had started pretty late, and when we left the 17th green, Miss Rennie made the remark that we would have to hurry to get the last hole played. Well, it was her honor, and she got the best drive she made all day about 120 yards down the fairway. Well, Mrs. Thomas got nervous and looked up and missed her ball afoot, and then done the same thing right over, and when she finally hit it, she only knocked it about 20 yards, and this made her lay three. Well, her fourth went wild and lit over in the rough in the apple trees. It was a cinch that Miss Rennie would win the hole unless she dropped dead. Well, we all went over to hunt for Mrs. Thomas' ball, but we would have been lucky to find it even in the daylight, but now you cannot hardly see under the trees, so Miss Rennie said, drop another ball and we will not count no penalty. Well, it is some job any time to make a woman give up hunting for a lost ball, and all the more so when it is going to cost her two bits to play the hole out, so... There we stayed for at least ten minutes till it was so dark we could not see each other, let alone a lost ball, and finally Mrs. Thomas said, Well, it looks like we cannot finish. How do we stand? Just like she did not know how they stood. You had me one down up to this hole, said Miss Rennie. Well, that is finishing pretty close, said Mrs. Thomas. I will have to give Miss Rennie credit that whatever word she thought of for this occasion she did not say it out loud, but when she was paying me she said I might have give you a quarter tip, only I have to give Mrs. Thomas a quarter she don't deserve, so you don't get it. Fat chance I would have had anyway. Thursday, April 20th. Well, we've been having some more bad weather, but today the weather was all right, but that was the only thing that was all right. This p.m. I catted double for Mr. Thomas and Chase Crane, the club champion who stuck on Miss Rennie. It was a foursome with he and Mr. Thomas against Mr. Blake and Jack Andrews the pro. They was only playing best ball, so it was really just a match between Mr. Crane and Jack Andrews, and Mr. Crane win by one up. Joe being catted for Jack and Mr. Blake. Mr. Thomas was terrible, and I put in a swell p.m. lugging that heavy bag of his besides Mr. Crane's bag. Mr. Thomas did not go off the course as much as usual, but he kept hitting behind the ball, and he run me ragged, replacing his divots. But still, I had to laugh when we was playing the fourth hole, which you have to drive over a ravine, and every time Mr. Thomas misses his tee shot on this hole, why he makes a squawk about the ravine and says it ought not to be there in ETC. Today, he had a terrible time getting over it, and afterwards he said to Jack Andrews, this is a joke hole and ought to be changed. So Joe Bean whispered to me, if Mr. Thomas kept on playing like he was, then the whole course would have to be changed. Then, a little while later, when we came to the long ninth hole, Mr. Thomas got a fair tee shot, but then he whiffed twice missing the ball by a foot, and the third time he hit it, but it only went a little ways, and Joe Bean said, that is three tries and no gain, he will have to punt. But I must write down about my tough luck. Well, we finally got through the 18 holes, and Mr. Thomas reached down in his pocket for the money to pay me, and he generally pays for Mr. Crane, too, when they play together, as Mr. Crane is just an employee in the bank and don't have much money. But this time all Mr. Thomas had was a $20 bill, so he said to Mr. Crane, I guess you will have to pay the boy, Charlie. So Charlie dug down and got the money to pay me, and he paid just what it was and not a dime over. Where if Mr. Thomas had have had the change, I would have got a $1 extra at least, and maybe I was not sore in Joe Bean too, because of course Andrews never gives you nothing, and Mr. Blake don't tip his caddy unless he wins. They are a fine bunch of tightwads, said Joe, and I said, well, 
Crane is all right, only he just has not got no money. He ain't all right no more than the rest of them, said Joe. Well, at least he don't cheat on his score, I said. And you know why that is, said Joe. Neither does Jack Andrews cheat on his score, but that is because they play too good. Players like Crane and Andrews that goes around an 80 or better can't cheat on their score because they make the most of the holes in the round four strokes, and the four strokes includes their tee shot and a couple of putts which everybody is right there to watch them when they make them and count them right along with them. So if they make a four and claim a three, why people would just laugh in their face and say, how did the ball get from the fairway to the green? Did it fly? But the boys that take seven and eight strokes to a hole can shave their score and you know they are shaving it. But you have to let them get away with it because you can't prove nothing. But that is one of the penalties for being a good player. You can't cheat. To hear Joe tell it pretty near everybody are born crooks, well, maybe he is right. End of chapter seven, part one, A Caddy's Diary. Recording by Madison Rutherford.